sometimes we just can't help ourselves. It's, I, I guess it's, it's partly in our D, DNA as parents. We just can't seem to stop ourselves from doing it. If you're, if a, if you're a parent, I, I bet you've been guilty of this. And if you're a, a child here today, a kid here today, you most likely have had to endure it. It's, it's that last little bit of instruction that as a parent, we think that we have to give to our, our, our kids. Let, let me give you a couple examples. First day of school. Now, now, depending on how your kids were wired, that, that could have been, uh, could have been, uh, looked different ways. Our, our kids were ready for school. They couldn't wait for their first day of school. And in, in fact, as, as we dropped them off that first day, they, they were like, leave us alone, mom and dad. We want, we want to get in school. But, but as they went in, we gave them those last little bit of instructions. Be good. Eat your lunch. Don't cry. Now, really, that instruction for Rita and I was more for us and not for them because they weren't crying. Uh, we were the ones with the tears in our eyes. And and finally, I think we we threw out as they hit the door, have fun. Uh, the, the first time you left your kids at home uh, with no babysitter, the oldest child was old enough to be in charge. As you walked out the door, I bet you gave instructions. It looks a little bit like this. Be good. Uh, call us if you need us. Now, for our kids, it was a, a phone number we gave them of a restaurant or of a friend's house. We didn't have the cell phones yet, but na- nowadays that's not a big deal. Uh, we, we might also give them instructions. Don't, don't, don't have any friends over. And maybe that last one, kind of kiddingly but somewhat serious, don't burn the house down. Uh, the, the first time you, you left, let, let your, your oldest child or, or maybe with each kid after that, let them leave the house the first time driving the car by themselves. Boy, you had, you had instructions. You need to be good. Both hands on the wheel. Keep, keep your eyes on the road. Stay under the speed limit. Five miles under the speed limit. Don't pick up any of your friends. And, and I'm sure if, if you were like me and you're like my kids, they, everyone nodded approval as soon as they got around the block where they couldn't see you. Then one hand on the wheel and they were calling a friend to pick up or, uh, and I even remember my, my mom dropping me off at college. She, she said as she got in the car and I, I, just like first day of school, I'm like, mom, can you leave already? Got a long drive back to Illinois. Just get in the car and go. But she hollered out, be, be good. I'm like, mom, I'm in a Christian college. It's, I have to be good. I can't get in trouble. Study hard. Like, oh, I hadn't even thought about that yet. And, and, and then she said this and she reminds me of this every time I see her. Uh, she said something like, don't forget to write or call. We used to write letters back then. Don't forget to write or we were supposed to anyway, write or call. She reminds me every time I see her, like, I dropped you off at school and I never heard from you again. I assumed you were okay. The school would have called me if something had happened. We we do that as parents, don't we? Key moments in the life of our kids, when we're getting ready to send them off, we give them some last-minute instructions. We leave them with wise counsel to live by. Today, as we finish the our study in the book of Hebrews, we see that the author uh, kind of takes on the personality of a parent, and as he's preparing to send off these Jewish these Jewish believers, kind of on their own, he's he's given them instructions, he's 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 challenged them, he's taught them, and he's as he's getting ready to send them off on their own, it's almost as if he shouts out to them some last. Last bits of instructions. Uh, he, he's finished up this 
this book with some powerful teaching. Chapter 11, he talked about all the ones that had gone before us, the faith chapter we call it, but it was an example of men and women who had lived by faith. And then then in chapter 12, we looked at this a few weeks ago, he challenged us with the, the notion that they are surrounding us, not just the biggies of the faith, but literally everyone that's gone before us. And we can make that personal with our own people, our own faith journey people. And and, and they're, they're surrounding us, cheering us on as we run the race for, for, for God. And he tells us in, in this book that we need to transition from spiritual milk to spiritual solid food. And then as he comes to the last bit of instruction in Hebrews, he he gives some last minute of last minute tidbits of things we need to listen to. In fact, the the reality is the whole last chapter, chapter thirteen, is is one instruction, one little bit of tidbit after another. We're only going to look this morning at the first three verses, but I would challenge you, encourage you to read the whole chapter and see how he finishes off this powerful teaching. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. If you don't have your Bible with you, there's one in the pew back in front of you. Hebrews Hebrews chapter 13. Let's look at just the last three verses and we'll see three things that he uh, challenges us to keep on doing. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not Forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to to angels without even knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Let's look at three things that he calls us to, to do. He says, first of all, keep on caring. Verse 1 uh, calls us to love one another as brothers and sisters. And basically what he's calling us to do there is to keep on caring about each other w- within the body of Christ. Uh, keep on having affection for one another. Keep on pro- prioritizing one another in the church. Keep on looking out after the needs of each other in the body of Christ. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Now let, let me, let me note the obvious. It's, it, it's the obvious thing that comes out from, from this first verse when he says, keep on loving one another. Note the obvious. The, the idea when he says, keep on, has, has for us some things that are implied and understood. Here's the first thing. Here's the first obvious thing. It was already happening. So when he said, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, then, then it was already happening. Uh, if, if you're running the race marked out for you, that's what chapter 12 told us. And, and then as part of that race, you are to love others like Jesus. Basically what he's saying, since you're already doing that, since you're already loving in the body of Christ, one another as brothers and sisters, he says, keep that up. I'm, I'm going to ask a question here this morning in, in, in fact, I'm going to have you vote on that. So get ready, pay attention. I'm going to have you raise your hands on which one you think it is. Those of you at home, uh, I, I would challenge you to, to listen up, number one. And if you would just comment on the comments. I know there's a few people here that, that are kind of watching uh, what the comments that are happening, and, and we certainly look back at them after the service. So, so those of you at home, if you would comment which one you think the right answer is to this question, that I'm going to ask. I'm going to. I, I, I would appreciate that. And it's really going to be simple. Uh, y- your answer is simply this: We're called to love each other like brothers and sisters. Now, remember, 
Remember what we talked about back in the end of chapter 5 and going into chapter 6, that the, 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 the author challenged believers, these Jewish believers, us as well. He challenged us to move on from elementary teaching uh, to to simple teaching, which was which he described as spiritual milk, to move on from spiritual milk to spiritual solid food. So here's the question. So if you're at home, you're, you're going to answer either spiritual milk or spiritual solid food. You can just put milk, solid food if you're answered. So so get ready to answer that. There's really not a wrong answer here. I'm not going to embarrass anyone with the answer that you give. So so here's the question. Is loving each other as brothers and sisters? That's what he says. So he's getting ready to finish up the chapter. He, he wants to give them this last little bit of instruction. So he says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Is that, is loving each other as brothers and sisters, Is does that come from spiritual milk? Or does that come from spiritual solid food? So, so if you, if you're just on spiritual milk, if you're, and, and really what he meant by that was that the church was spiritually immature. Now, it didn't mean that they weren't saved. It didn't mean that at all. It just meant that they hadn't matured yet. So, so even if you're immature, can you still love like brothers and sisters? Or does it only happen if you're on spiritual solid food? So those at home, go ahead and put, put your answer. Spiritual milk or spiritual solid food. So, so now you guys here, I'm going to let you answer. Uh, uh, do, do you think that we can love as brothers and sisters if we're like that group that he was talking about here that are only staying on spiritual milk? So, so, so loving like brothers and sisters, can you do that if you're, if you're feasting on spiritual milk? If, if you believe that, go ahead and raise your hands. Okay, if, okay, good, good math. So, how, how many think it's spiritual solid food? How many have no idea which one it is? Okay, got a couple. Thank you, thank you for being honest on some. Okay, uh, let me let me uh, let me answer this for you. If you said spiritual solid food, you're right. Now, now the truth is, you can't be wrong if you answered that one. Because if we've moved on to solid food, if we've moved on to, to really being like Jesus, then, then, well, of course we're going to love our brothers and sisters like we're supposed to. So, so, so if you said spiritual solid food, there's no way you can be wrong on that. But if you said spiritual milk, you're right. <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. He, he was, he was addressing this as in chapter 13, he said, now, it's the obvious thing. It was already happening because he said, keep on doing it. But remember who he was talking to? He was talking to a church that was immature. So, so the reality is we, we can, we can love our brothers and sisters like Jesus, even if we're immature, immature. Now, now don't miss this. A natural byproduct of being a follower of Jesus, even if you are immature, is to love each other like brothers. So, so a natural part of being a follower of Jesus, even if you, even if you're still feasting on spiritual milk and you've not grown up yet, a natural byproduct of that is to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. So, so it's obvious that even in the life of this immature church, it was happening. But don't miss the second thing that was obvious. That, 
that's understood by him saying, keep on loving each other. It's not optional. We're not given the option to whether we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. While, while loving each other like brothers and sisters may be natural for a believer, it isn't always easy. I, uh, I basically have been involved in six different churches as an adult, my, starting with my home church up through where I'm at presently here at, at Troy Christian Church. There's one thing that has been true of all six of those churches, ones that I've served at, ones that I have attended as, as, a, as a member. One thing that is true of all six of those churches is that at some point in the history of those churches, sometimes I was part of it or there, sometimes I wasn't, but every one of those churches at one time or another had a period of turmoil, of upheaval, of discontent, and sometimes outright uh, struggles with fighting. While it may be natural for us when we become Christ followers to, to, to have love for one another like a family, it's not always easy. In fact, if we don't move on to maturity, it will be increasingly difficult. See, that, that's why we're not given an option. So, so he says this last, this last little bit of encouragement, keep on loving each other. It's not optional. You don't get, you don't get to choose to do that in the church. You have to keep doing. That's, that's why Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35 verses I know you're familiar with. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you're my disciples. What? If you love your brothers and sisters, if you love one another. In, in 1 John, the, 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 the letter of 1 John chapter 3.16 says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. 1 John 4.7, the next chapter says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And in 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 22 says this, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply. So as he finishes this letter, he throws out the challenge. Uh, He throws out this call. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Certainly as you move to maturity, keep on loving one another. So, so keep on caring. Uh, the, the, the second thing he says is in verse 2, and he says that we should keep on sharing. Look at verse 2. He says, and, and verse 2 is an odd verse. I'm just going to give that to you up front. Uh, I don't know if you caught it when I read it. Verse 2 says this, Do not forget to show hospitalities to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Now, Now, notice the shift. Notice that he shifts his his uh, his thoughts here. You would have thought after he said, "Keep on loving brothers and sisters," uh, keep on loving like uh, like brothers and sisters. You, you would have thought that he would have he would have fleshed that out a little bit. He would have said, "Okay, let me give you some examples of what it means to love uh, each other like Jesus would would love you." You would have thought that he'd given some practical examples. You you would have thought that he would have showed you some 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 exact ways to do that you you would have thought that maybe he would have at least added on a little bit of an encouragement like hey i know that's going to be tough because the church is full of imperfect people but but jesus loved 
And you gotta love like Jesus. I'm mean, Jesus even forgave on the cross those that put him there. So, so we, you, you thought, you would have thought his next phrase would have been, Hey, let me encourage you or let me give you some examples of what it means to do this. But instead he shifts to a complete different idea. And, and maybe you'll agree with me. Maybe you won't. To me, it seems like it is weird. Doesn't it seem weird? Love each, love, love one another, love like brothers and sisters. Now, don't forget to entertain strangers. He tells them to keep on sharing with strangers. Why? Why in these last words of instructions did, did he include this off the wall, seemingly out of place instruction to entertain strangers? I could buy it if he would, the next, next verse would have said, now don't forget to entertain your brothers and sisters. It's, it's hard enough to entertain our brothers and sisters in Christ. Why would he suggest that we should entertain strangers? Now, now that's weird, but then it gets even weirder. Did, did you catch what he said? Oh, oh, and by the way, when, when you do that, when you entertain strangers because of your faith, Sometimes it may not even be a real person. Sometimes it might be an angel. Okay, really? What, 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 what are you trying to tell us here? I had a professor in college named Wallace Wardick. Uh, uh, Brother Wardick taught several different classes. I had him, I think, for three different classes when I was at Ozark. And, and the last class I had with him was actually a class on the book of Hebrews. Uh, it, it was towards the end of the semester Obviously, because we, we were at the end of the book, we, we were starting to study and he was lecturing on chapter 13. And I remember as he started the lecture that day, he stepped out beside the, the, the lecture and, and paused for just a second. And he said this, I'll, I'll never forget. He said, now, now you can believe this or not. You, you can choose to believe what I'm going to tell you or, or, or not, but, but it happened. He said several years ago when he was in ministry, his wife and I were at home one winter night. It was a snowy night. The, the roads were covered with snow, and they heard a knock on the door. They weren't expecting anyone, but they went to the door, and and he said there was a stranger standing at the door, and, and he simply asked, hey, I am starving. Can can you give me something to eat? So, 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 uh, Brother Wardick and his wife invited the stranger in and set him down at the table. They'd, they'd just finished, uh, their supper about a half hour earlier. And so, so his wife heated the stuff back up and they sat around the kitchen table and fed this guy and, and chatted with him. And, and, and when he finished eating, he got up and put his coat on and said, well, I've got to go. And, and they were just, they weren't sure what to do, but they walked him to the door and he walked out and, and, and as he walked away, Wardick, uh, step back in and his wife said, Hey, what, I, we should have invited him to stay. And so Wardick says he immediately just, it's like 45 seconds later, he went back to the front door and he said, I opened the door and I looked out and he said, you can believe this or not, but there were no footprints in the sand or in the snow. Now, now it was snowing. Yes, but not that hard. And the wind wasn't blowing. There was no evidence the guy had ever walked up to my house. He said, what, what my wife and I believe is for whatever reason, we, we have no idea why, but we believe we entertained an angel. Well, that verse is weird. 
Then it gets weirder. So the question, the question that, that has to come to mind here is, uh, what's the lesson? What, why is, now I, I get that, w- that we're to love as brothers and sisters, but, but why does he toss that in there? Hey, don't forget to entertain strangers. And sometimes those strangers might even be, uh, 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 angels. Well, what does he want us to catch in this last instruction? I think that itself brings up a couple questions. Who is the stranger? Who's the stranger? I, I wish I could give you some definite clarity on this, but I don't know, I don't know what he defines a stranger as. Is he saying a stranger is someone who knocks on your door and asks for help? Is he saying, is he saying a stranger is a hitchhiker alongside the highway or someone whose car has broken down? Is he saying a stranger is a guy that comes up to you, to you at a gas station or a convenience store and asks for some help? Is, is a stranger a guy that's sitting at an intersection holding up a sign saying, I need food? I'm not, I'm not sure who the stranger is for you. In fact, some of these I would, I would instruct my wife, if a stranger shows up at the door and you're home alone, don't let him in. I would say, don't pick up a hitchhiker, Rita. Same thing I told my kids. Rita, don't stop and help someone that's broken down alongside the road. I I don't know who a stranger is. I don't know, is a stranger someone we'll never see, we don't know or never see again, or or is a stranger someone that lives near us that we just don't know yet? I, I'm not sure what a stranger looks like. I'm not sure that I can give a definite, okay, that's what he's talking about there. But but one thing I know is this. This is really where I think it applies. Is I think we'll know a stranger when we see him. I... I think we'll know a stranger when we see him. I think God will place that on your heart. Whether it's someone knocking on your door or coming up to you at a gas station or someone that's broken down alongside the road or a neighbor down the road that you don't really know, but you know they've got a need in their life. I I think you'll know one when you see them. I used to think that I had... Uh, I used to think that I had, and I'd said this to Rita many times, that I had sucker written across my forehead. I can't tell you the number of times that, that I had, I've had people approach me, uh, in, in, in places asking for help. When, but before I came to Troy, when I was traveling, uh, I, dozen times, I bet I had someone come up to me at a gas station, and it's almost like they were sitting there waiting just for me. They weren't talking to anyone else. I pulled in, get out of my truck, and and they're right, they're on me, saying, "Hey, brother, can you give me some gas? Can you can you help me with some food?" I used to think that I had sucker written across my forehead, that they were waiting just for me. But but you know what I think, and I I don't know the reason for this. I don't know the answer for this, but I think for whatever whatever reason, God has God has placed on me this teaching in First. Or in, in Hebrews chapter 13. I, I think this teaching specifically is for me. When you're approached, help them out. Well, what, what does it mean? What does it mean? Why did he put this verse in here? I, I think we find the answer a little bit later in the chapter. If you've got first Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, if you've got Hebrews chapter 13 open, go over to verse 16. 
And read with me there what verse 16 says. And do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. He could have stopped this teaching with, hey, be sure to love your brothers. But but he expands it. See, when when the church looks inward at itself, and, and, and let's not miss this, we are to look inward. We are to look at one another. That's what that first teaching is. So, so, so we are to look inside the, the body and, and meet needs within the body of Christ. That's what we're called to do. But when the church only looks inward at itself, and, and there's a lot of churches that do that, but when that happens, it ceases to be the church that Jesus envisioned. Jesus expects us to be a people and a church that entertains strangers. He takes it a step further, and we'll, we'll finish up with this last idea. And this, this maybe seems just a little bit out of, out of character as well, a little bit, a little bit odd. Verse three says, continue. So he's, he's telling us to keep on. He says, Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourself were suffering. He says, keep on daring. Keep on daring to see differently. Now, now the way he illustrates that here is, is he tells them to remember those in prison, to remember those who have been mistreated mistreated. He's probably talking about fellow believers in Christ who, who because of their faith, because of their stand for Jesus, were imprisoned or because of their trust in Jesus had suffered personal loss. Maybe had lost jobs or standing. Maybe they had lost family members. He said that we are to see differently. We are to dare to see differently. See, Jesus always seemed to see those who were unseen. Jesus always seemed to see those who were unseen by other people. Whether it was the sick, the, the woman who had the flow of blood, the, the, the leper who everyone else uh, moved away from, the quadriplegic that, that broke through the roof, or, or Bartimaeus, the blind man in Jericho that, that was rebuked by Jesus' followers, but Jesus heard him. Maybe it was, maybe it's people that had no value to the rest of society, the, the women. That, that, that were, were, uh, were put down inside. The woman who was caught in adultery that, that others judged, but Jesus refused to. Or, or maybe the woman at the well who had no friends. That's why she was at the, the well by herself in midday, but Jesus befriended. Or maybe it was the children that, that others looked at and just passed them on by, but Jesus said, let me, let me pick them up and let me hold them and let me bless them. See, we have to dare to see differently. And then finally, we have to dare to be different. Isn't that what the book of Hebrews has been telling us? Dare to be different. Because we are different. See, that's a, that's the, one of the themes of the book is we are, we are different. We are different because of Jesus. We, we have access, literal access to the throne of God. So he's been telling these Jewish Christians, you don't have to go through someone else. You don't, you don't have to follow all these. You just have to, you just have to speak God's name and you are in his presence. You have his ear. He says, we are different because of that. 
then we're called to be different. A little over a week ago, I was was on the phone talking to Andrea Stock, and I had called her about last last Sunday service, and we were visiting about that, and I was asking her about the 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 trip to Mexico that the group took uh, to deliver the boxes, and and we were kind of talking about that, and then and, and then she made this comment. She says, "Hey, ha, have you talked to Dana yet?" And I said, "Well, no, I was going to." And then she said, "Well, well, Dana wants to ask you something. Dana's got something to tell you." Now, you don't tell a person that is impatient something like that and expect them not to say, "What is it?" <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna even take the time to hang up and call Dana. Tell me what she's going to tell me. Uh, I mean, I was like, I have no idea. And, and then she, this is what she said. She said, w- one of the families we, we put a roof on the house for, uh, Jasmine's her name. If you watched the video last Sunday, uh, you, you may have saw one picture of a lady holding a sign. Uh, I think or three kids were around her holding a sign. Basically, that sign said, thank you for the roof or uh, something like that. God bless you. And and she said, well, Dana's going to ask you if we can build them a house. If next summer we can build a house for that family. And I thought of 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Now, we just met. I'd, I'd met her last October for just a brief moment, but... But our group had just met her, but she was a sister in Christ. And it says, don't forget to entertain strangers, to show hospitality to strangers. Jasmine certainly qualified as a stranger to our, our group that went down there. And it says, don't forget, remember those who are imprisoned by their circumstances or literally imprisoned, those who are struggling, those who are or having difficult times, those who are suffering, and certainly as they saw this young mother in a house that was falling apart, they saw someone that was struggling and wanted to be different, wanted to make a difference. We're called, we're called to love one another. We're, we're called to Figure out what in the world he means by entertaining strangers and showing hospitality. Good luck on that one, but we're called to do it. And we're called to notice people that are hurting and reach out and bless them. Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you that we are different because of what Jesus did on the cross. His sacrifice, his bloodshed opens up to us the very presence of God. You see us not as ones that are far off, but as brothers and sisters, as your children. Father, we thank you for that. Lord, we pray today that you'll open our eyes as the, as Hebrews has challenged us here at the end of the chapter, the end of the book. Father, that you will challenge us to, uh, to be different, to see the world differently like Jesus did. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?